happening. I know. Welcome, everybody, to a really, really special episode of Future of Beauty Unfiltered podcast. Today, we are back again, but with some extra special and just about willing guests talking all things menopause. (laughs) So, on the 29th, just just a slight caveat, guys, for anyone that's listening. If you hear anyone groaning or looking uncomfortable, it's actually because our very own CEO, Chris Bullock, is currently sat in... What's the actual name for this, Tina? The, the vest? Menno Vest. The Menno Vest. <laughs> yes. um, we've just turned the it Menno on. The Menno Vest. Um, <laughs> so, today we have some really amazing people that have been on the podcast before, but we thought it's such an interesting and important topic that we needed to come back and do another one. So we have our very own Chris Bullock, as I've mentioned, CEO of the Pull Agency, and we are joined by Dean Corney, our very own MD as well. Welcome, Dean, to your first podcast. Welcome. I've got a wave as well. The camera's on. Yeah, you can oh, wave. Exactly. As long as you're talking the mic, it doesn't really yeah, matter. Is that near enough? Just about. I'd move it a little bit. I'll move it a bit nearer. There we go. <laughs> we Just also, don't get too close because I'm, hot enough I'm heating up. Yeah, <laughs> Tina Backhouse is also back again from Theramex bringing an amazing vest with us today, created by Over the Bloody Moon and also funded um, in partnership with Theramex. So, why are we here? So on the 29th of June, 2022, male MPs began trying on vests that simulated the feeling of a hot flush. Are you having any of those yet, Chris? Steady, steady, steady flush. Okay. Yeah. Which some women experience at both perimenopausal and menopausal stages. Now, the vest was developed, as I've mentioned, by Over the Bloody Moon, a group that provides advice on menopause to companies and individuals, and it was funded by London-based pharmaceutical company Theramex. The event was organised in Parliament by Labour MP Carolyn Harris, with former Tory leader Ian Duncan-Smith and Shadow Health Secretary Wes Streeting amongst those taking part. Now, Carolyn Harris, who has spoken openly about her own experience of menopause, said that it was easy to underestimate the intensity of hot flushes and the impact they have on your daily life, and hoped that the vests would actually help male colleagues empathise with this experience. Now, of course, after Tina suggested that we give this a try, we couldn't possibly have said no at the opportunity to do just that. So We could, but you didn't let us. <laughs> no, no, I absolutely <laughs> didn't. Why? Thank God it's muggy today as well. Shame the heat waves oh. over. <laughs> when I heard the forecast this morning, my heart sunk. We did want to put it off till November, but we <clears throat> yeah. said no. No, yeah. absolutely. Um, so the Pull Agency, for anyone that's listening that doesn't know, it was born over 14 years ago now. And it brought two specialist agencies together, brand and digital. Now, as a business, we specialize in health and beauty. However, at the heart of that are three male owners. Why is this relevant, you say? Well, menopause at the workplace, it hardly ever gets discussed. And this is one of the things that we're looking to hopefully change. And at Paul, we're really lucky. So 48% of Paul's staff being female of all ages we thought it was a great way to partner with Theramex for a special podcast and make our directors more aware of what some of their women may go through when experiencing the menopause. So before you started working with Theramex, Chris, because I think this is a really interesting question. I know Tina's going to have viewpoints as well. Um, so we started working with you guys what, at the beginning of this year, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, and... I think the thing I really loved about Theramex and your ethos within the UK was it was the power of choice. And we've spoke about this before, and it's giving women the ability to choose. So while Theramex focuses on HRT, not everyone can take that. 
And so you wanted to ensure that there were other options out there, whether we call them natural alternatives, whatever that may be, it's that choice. Um, now, Chris, you worked with them kind of on the brand building initially to kind of find that clear voice at moving forward in the market. And you've always been, I think, a bit of a feminist in that sense, you know. I think some always, may say. Some may Others say. <laughs> may not. But I think actually going through this process, it made you even more so when it came to understanding the menopause and what people go through. And I think what's really interesting about seeing you in the vest right now, um, it kind of looks like something you'd be wearing on your bike. I don't know. It's a bit of I'm cycling. It's like a gilet, I'm really it? thinking I'd love to borrow this for, for the winter. Riding on my <laughs> riding my motorbike in January. I'm not sure about now. Yeah. yeah. It's that twenty four hour vest we were talking about, Tina. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so as you're wearing this vest right now, what are you feeling? Well the, I, I keep on thinking, oh I'm getting used to this and then I realise that it's getting hot again, and I think that must be because Tina's doing something devious with my no, control. I'm not. I'm no, I'm honestly not. <laughs> so it's, it's just on waves. Maybe, maybe it's me. Okay, it does that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it goes from being bearable to thinking this is not very comfortable, basically. Yeah, yeah. So I guess, Tina, explain. Can you explain a bit about what the vest actually does? Yeah, so the vest, um, it's a very quite simple technology. It's just battery operated, and it basically just sim stimulates. Uh, or simulate, sorry, not stimulates, it simulates... I'm stimulated. <laughs> Are you feeling stimulated? It simulates Why did we put you two next flush. to each other? <laughs> so, um, and so you will feel it's on a three-minute cycle that it comes in waves. And it's at different parts of your body as well. And that's because our natural, you know, some people feel it more in the neck, some people feel it more on their back. And that's because you have estrogen receptors all over your body that will respond to heat in that way. So you can't really tell. So everyone experiences the vest in a slightly different way. And of course, we know that, you know, menopause is not just about hot flushes. Um, and, you know, the point of this is that to start and, you know, there's 48 um, signs of menopause, but this is about really helping people understand and getting the conversation going and to talk about it in the workplace as well and the things that could help people if they were feeling these symptoms of menopause. And I think we've spoke about that a few times <clears throat> where there's this expectation that it is just you're getting a bit hot, you're going a bit gaga, whatever it may be. Yeah. When my mum went through, you know, through that process, she actually never really spoke to us about it. You know, your wives and partners might have gone through this or going through this. As men that have partners in this space, have you noticed any challenges? Is that something you openly have a conversation about when it comes to the menopause? Yeah, so I think uh, I would say before, even before we met Tina, Femorel, Theramix, um, I was mystified by what I saw as a kind of last taboo. This has really brought it to life for me. So, yeah, having, had a, having a partner experiencing some of it, I mean, I wouldn't say experience it firsthand, I guess it's secondhand. Um, but, and we did, fortunately, I think, because I think it helps a lot, we did talk about it to some extent, not a huge extent. But I think one of the things we did say was, was you know, this is odd. Why is it that every other life stage is something that's been normalized? And, you know, for instance, for me, t teenagehood is a good example. For most teenagers, uh, being a teenager has, its, let's say, ups and downs, say at least. But that's kind of normalized by society. Mm. People, I think, recognize and talk openly about the challenges of being a teen or having a teen in the house. And I, I, I thought, it, isn't it weird, really? We can talk about almost everything that seems to be 
the last taboo. Why is it that most men know really next to nothing? Next to nothing. Nobody has explained anything. And even then, as we started doing research and talking to uh, Theramex, that I was, I was somewhat shocked with that, how many women have that's, that's true for as well. Yeah, I mean, so one of the things that I think when we first started talking to you guys, you know, you went out and Theramex tried to get some of those answers around the education and understanding. You know, we believe as a business, we talk about this all the time, right? Go and ask your customer. Go yeah. and ask the person you're trying to talk to and find out what they think and how they feel because that's what's going to make you more authentic. But do you think, do you think there's a get is it a British thing? Is it British stiff upper lip, you know, as you get on with it? I mean, again, I'm not sure if we've done research outside the UK, but again, I, you know, I know my wife had menopause and she didn't really complain about it. She mentioned it and we sort of, again, spoke about it and I didn't really think much of it. I suppose, again, because I didn't realise how impactful it was in her life. I mean, I, I just didn't, you know, I just walk a mile in someone else's shoes. Right? Yeah. I didn't, and I think this is why... This is interesting because even if it's a small insight, the vest into what it's like, and that's just a tiny part of it, right? Mm. But I, yeah, I wonder if it is that English thing, and it's like, you know, we're, they're mums, they're English, just get on with it. You know, we're, we're just going to get on with it, right? And actually, it's just about, it's like all things, it's awareness, right? And at, yeah. having been made aware, we're now more, um, got more empathy towards it. Absolutely. And, you know, there's definitely a cultural thing, isn't it, about, you know, and we're trying to change culture and it's the evolution, not the revolution, which is what I'm always saying. And, you know, but I think it's a culture that exists in all countries um, and all cultures. I think it's historical. You know, if you, you think, you know, not that long ago, 100 years ago, women were being put in asylums at this age, you know, there is, um, and we know, you know, Carolyn Harris talks very openly about this, about, you know, she remembers her mum and her aunties talking about it in hushed voices and her being sent out of the room because it was nothing to do with her. And she said, and I was 31, you know, so that's, <laughs> yeah. that's where we are in terms of people not being that open about it and it being women's problems and we don't talk about it openly. And though we don't lock people in asylums anymore, you know, as I've said before, you know, there are the majority of women in prison are this age group, you know, and we know that it has a big effect on women trying to self-medicate with drink and drugs and, you know, gambling and all these other things. And these are all related. So breaking these taboos and people just having that discussion is how we're going to change that so you know our sons will you know obviously be able to hopefully be in a better position to understand yeah and it's interesting again going back to the point about how again this is just the, the heat thing is a small part of it now how many times did i hear my wife you know mentioning the the menopause or like you know something would happen and she'd, you know, she'd blame it. And I was like, I almost didn't believe her in the end. You know, it's like, yeah. you can't keep blaming, you know, like... Everything. Well, like, but, you know, in hindsight, and now talking to her, having talked to her last night about this, it, she wasn't lying. There was no. so much impact on her life in so many ways. And when she kept saying it, oh, you know, or she was not having a good day, it was that. And I, and I suppose I, I didn't argue against it, but I didn't necessarily understand how impactful it was i think yeah. it's because you don't have control i think that's a part of the challenge is you spend your life trying to control so many things your health you know how how fit and active you are um i think you know we were talking about this this morning before we started this podcast Tina, around exercise like personal trainers aren't necessarily educated enough 
across the board on how to help women train. You know, there are different times of the month where as, as women we produce more testosterone or less and that actually enhances our ability to build muscle within our own bodies. And people don't have enough awareness, let alone women, but the, the people that are training from a nutritional point of view, there are so many other factors that come into play when it comes to just the female reproductive cycle, let alone then when you enter the kind of peri and menopausal stages and postmenopausal stages of your life, of how do you need to adapt your diet to support that? You know, how do you need, what else do you need to do to help enhance that quality of life? And I think that's what's been really interesting when we started actually working with you guys is it opened up a whole new way of thinking, I think really, and particularly for you guys as, as owners of the business, I, I found it amazing to watch because you were, particularly you, Chris, you know, we joked you were going to start taking the supplements at one point, you know, <laughs> um, and I think it's how can we do better? So we did a piece of, um, I say we, Theramex, conducted a piece of research where they went and asked the questions, and one of the findings from the research um, was that 48% um, of men that, that were asked wanted some or a lot of information and support about the menopause. Why do you think that's quite a high percentage of people that are actively wanting information? I'm okay for now. Turn it's, it up, turn it up. It's the waves that uh, are disconcerting. Yeah, yeah. It makes me think of what uh, Hannah was saying about control. And that that is doing a good job, I think, in the sense that, um, you know, when you talk to people who experience hot, hot flushes, it's that hitting you out of the blue at the wrong moment that, yeah. that seems to be the most annoying. You're sitting with somebody in a, you know, in a restaurant or whatever, all of a sudden, and you're thinking, there's no change in temperature. They're going, you know, I'm hot right now. Yeah, you've got a nice shiny forehead. And I think, I think, yeah. <laughs> I think this is doing a pretty good job of that. Job of that, yeah, yeah. But sorry, I, I, I interrupted. You were asking. Yeah, but you know what? That's the, this is probably the most unorganised podcast that <laughs> we've ever done. But I love it because it kind of proves the point, right? When you're going through all of this, yeah, it's hard to concentrate, or you feel like someone's talking about something, and you're kind of getting really distracted because there's this mm. driving. Mm feeling and sensation going on and you're like hold on a minute I'm trying to harvest and that, that's part of the challenge isn't it is that taking over everyday but, life yeah, but you were asking about uh, yeah well it, need need for information or mm -hmm. desire for information I think it, it shows that there's an underlying uh, uh, need and and uh, uh, enthusiasm almost should I say from men to know something because something is better than nothing and I think uh, the, the core research that uh, 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 was done by Theramex, so that was really interesting, with men who were saying, I really want to help, but everything I do seems to be wrong, <laughs> okay? And I think that might be a key driver behind why people are looking for information. And that's why I think we felt there was a big opportunity for Femoral to normalize this subject so that it, not, it doesn't necessarily just need to be you know, pushed out, you've got to have an education program for, for men, whatever, because that, that stuff doesn't always work. But just create a context where it's something that people naturally talk about. I mean, why wouldn't you? If you're sitting next to somebody who's feeling hot all of a sudden, you know, you shouldn't be surprised and you should better talk about it. And by the way, one, one other thing occurred to me about, uh, Dean was saying about the stiff upper lip, I think that, and Tini, you touched on it, I think there's a cultural background which impacts how menopause is, is treated, as it were, 
in every different culture. Yeah. And and therefore that's something that's got to be considered in terms of you know like normalizing the conversation because that probably needs to be done in different ways in different places. I mean I think what we know is in the UK that the debate is quite advanced. We we live in fortunately it seems at least a reasonably sophisticated society in which uh, conversations can take place. However, that doesn't mean to say there isn't an element of this stiff upper. That's our cultural background, and it's not like the Brits to talk about things. So, you know, let's just talk about it, right? Exactly. Actually, one of the biggest successes I had recently was um, one of my friends, who's a big, burly crane driver, um, was um, rang me up and said, oh, I've been speaking to so-and-so who I work with, and... Um, he was talking about his missus and the menopause. And I said, oh, I know a bit about this because my friend, <laughs> Tina, and, you know, and, um, and I just thought, that's brilliant. There you go. That is, that if, if that's all I yeah, ever achieve, yeah, yeah. the fact that you are the most unlikely person to and imagining these two guys talking about it on site and him saying, actually, I know, I do know a bit about this because of my friend. Perfect. It's so changing the conversation, it. right? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, I mean, why do we think it is such a taboo? You know, why? What, what's the re You know, why isn't it more open? Why aren't we having it? Because I, I don't feel like, again, now we're talking about it, I don't feel like it, I don't feel like it's a, you know, again, all through my, sorry, just all through my wife sort of talking about it, we didn't talk about it, but I didn't feel I, it was taboo. I, we just didn't, she didn't really want to talk about it, I suppose. But I don't know. I, I think strange. when, you know, to take a kind of anthropological point of view about it i think you'll find i mentioned that different societies think in different ways however one thing you'll find in common is that there's a form of taboo in almost every society mm. uh so that must have deep roots it'd be interesting to understand why i don't i'm not an anthropologist so i can't say why yeah. but it, it's a common thing it just manifests itself differently in different Does cultures this not go back to we're going to go down a rabbit hole here but i'm quite interested to see what Tina. i know what tina's views are going to be on it but i'm going to do it anyway um we speak about this a lot in beauty in particular where there's this really annoying thing about aging in women so a man gets gray hairs and he's a silver fox uh, george george clooney and then a woman gets gray hairs and she's let herself go um there's this constant kind of and, and that's obviously not everyone's views by the way i'm very much generalizing but mm. i think there's this there's still this it's this anti-aging all these products that are out there it's anti-aging it's anti-wrinkle whereas when you're younger it's very much pro you go you like be the best you and then you reach a certain stage in life and it's like stop don't go any further um why you know why why is that because i think that's what we're trying to fight against and yeah. menopause the menopause kind of matters positivity that's part of that dialogue and i, I sorry i do i do think it's interesting and i do think it it comes from the fact that you know deep rooted not in anyone's consciousness but deep rooted what does menopause signify and menopause signifies the end of your fertility as a woman and for you know Ye hundreds and hundreds of years women's worth has been um you know validated by their yeah. ability yeah. to I think, reproduce i think this is why it's common in all societies but again to you know go back to my my teenager um analogy i mean the thing is you know that's the beginning of reproductive life yes maybe one of the issues is that uh you know with, with men the end of reproductive life is not is not so clear and and i think exactly you know it. so 
Hence, the silver fox thing may still be yeah. reproducing. Okay. Yeah, okay yeah, Whereas, and I, I, I think it's the root of this. Yeah. Uh, but the great thing I think is that is that, it, in a way, it shouldn't matter. However deep and far back the roots of this prejudice go, effectively, you know, society's made a good fist of dealing with other pre- prejudices. Absolutely. I think yeah. it's a. You know, it's about time it dealt with this one, but it is. That's why I see it as the last taboo as well, yeah. because we, we, you know, we, you know, in terms of um, gender orientation, um, uh, you know, racial orientation, all these things now are are well advanced. I think compared to the menopause. Yeah, they're definitely not fixed, are they? There's still a long way to go, but I think as far as which horse got out the gate first, so to speak, and on the journey, this of, is kind of, of the last the dialogue, one. This is definitely yeah. the slower one out the gate. But I think, going back to what you said, I think the difference now between sort of uh, when you said, you, as you get to a certain age, it's like, you know, you just don't go. I think what's changed in the last, I don't know, 20 years, 10 years, 20 years, is pe- it is do go now. You know, I don't think people do generally slow up. I mean, in fact, some of the most energetic, active people I know, and maybe that's why it's part of it. It's like, we're not going to let these things stop us, right? Whatever they might be. And that's definitely, I mean, I mean, culturally now, I mean, yeah, some of the most active people I know are the older people I know. In fact, rather than the younger people, in fact, it's almost turned around. Like I know, lo- yeah, I mean, to an extent, I think that is the case, and therefore, nothing's going to stop us now. So it's sort of the motto I feel of the old of people over forty. Like whereas before, I think there was a feeling it was an inevitability yeah. that's gone. I don't think. I was yeah, like, I agree. But I, I think agree. that's where some of the marketing communities, and we spoke about this in other podcasts, where we're making a bit of a mistake and we're kind of generalising. And actually, like you've just said, there are so many instances where you can say that people in their later stages of life are actually one have it more together than they ever had before because they're now not time poor because they're not running around after tiny little kids and trying to build a career and you know they have more expendable income they're at a stage where they can invest in themselves more but a lot of brands don't talk to those people particularly women you know for for us this is a really powerful topic they are essentially gen x whatever you want to label these women at these stages of their life they are already and very much the forgotten consumer in that space. And I think this is where menopause, the, the discussion that's going around it, really has, um, I think, a lot of power in making, making that positive change. I do. I do agree with that. And I do think that, you know, the group of women that are leading this, and there's, you know, so many from mm. different cultures and different backgrounds and um, different parts of, you know, of business... And one of the overwhelming things that I do think, which is relevant to what we're talking about, is my daughter, who's 12, won't, her experience is that women at this age can be immensely powerful and in the media and on um, television and doing all these things that we are doing. Um, so she's never going to think that at 50, um, you know, my life is over. So, um, and that's a positive thing, I think. So, you know, you are be- being role models for the generations that will come after you as well. Totally. I've got a five-year-old and I'm raising him to be a feminist, so. Well, <laughs> you know, so, um, psychology would tell you that the most important thing you can do for feminism is to raise your boys as feminists. Absolutely. You know. I, I think as well, you know, while... Um, well, men's views are really important. Let's not forget this is actually about what women go through. Um, I think a huge part of why in the research as well, less than a quarter of women said that they felt fairly or very well supported while going through the menopause from family members, friends, doctors. There are so many different streams of support that I think are needed. 
But off the back of that, what I found really interesting was that they're still trying to do it on their own. So they're more likely to seek advice or, um, you know, insight as to what they're going through themselves rather than going to a professional. So Google becomes their friend. There's a lot of, you know, I've got this symptom and that symptom. So there's a lot of self-diagnosis going on rather than going to speak to medical professionals as the starting point. Why do you think that is? Because I know you've got lots of viewpoints, Tina. Um, I think, yeah, I do think that's that's the case. The first thing I would say about that is I think the digital, where we are with the digital age has been a friend to women at the at this stage because there is so much information out there now and you know there's some incredible apps you know I've mentioned it before Louise Newsom's balance app I think is incredible and gives free information to people all that kind of easily available digital stuff when women are mostly feeling the symptoms of menopause when they get up at two o'clock in the morning and they can't sleep you know and they're on the internet looking for for this and trying to get some information before they go and see their doctor and I think it's really hard now I mean we were you know post-pandemic um times Brexit equals what for the NHS and what I would say having worked in this business for 30 years the NHS is, you know, has always lumbered along in some kind of way. But I would say at the moment it is completely broken. And that is going to be a challenge um, in terms of accessing healthcare um, for women going forward. And, you know, my belief is that women shouldn't have to see a menopause specialist GP to talk about their um, menopause. They should be able to see their family GP as when you're pregnant or taking contraception you don't go and see a contraception specialist gp you go and see your family gp who understands and that's exactly how it should be for women we need to normalize this is a part of life we need to normalize it but you know digital i think digital has accelerated this conversation because there's so much information out there now and it's empowering to women in in the majority of times it's empowering to women absolutely Chris, how are you feeling over there in that little vest of yours? Warm. Very quiet. <coughs> yeah, you have gone very quiet. Come on, talk to me. Tell there's me no steam and it's not smoking, it's uh, not unlike smoking. what I heard it had done, <laughs> done previously. And it does look suspiciously smoke. like a suicide vest. Yeah, so like one of the most common uh, signs, whatever you want to call it, that people are aware of are hot flushes. So you've been sat here for the last 20 minutes while we've been talking, experiencing that share for the listeners how that's feeling well I'd, I'd hate it i mean i think that the say the shocking thing is and it must be on this very clever kind of cycle but that sense of you're just feeling okay and then you get overwhelmed so i think it must be very realistic in that sense and that's really quite irritating is it and how are yeah. you finding like your ability to listen and concentrate that's nah, okay i mean I'm, I'm rising above it but again <laughs> just like all those women have to do yeah, right absolutely you know you've got to concentrate yeah yeah. Absolutely. Well, let's uh, let's get you out of that. Take a quick break. Let's get a jingle on and we'll get Dean in the hot seat next. This time, we've got our very own Dean Corney in the vest. Chris, <laughs> you took the vest off. Should we talk about that experience for a moment? Well, taking it off. Yeah. <laughs> it was quite a relief. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was, it was quite warm, wasn't it? I was sweaty in places, I have to admit, yeah. Yeah, we yeah. had to run out of the building a little bit. But uh, do you know what? Yeah, you ran out of the, you all <laughs> ran out of the building. <laughs> <laughs> I think everyone was happy to put the fan back on for a minute. It's definitely warmer than I thought it was going to be, which uh, I'm thrilled about. Dean, it's just been on. How's it feeling? Has anything happened yet? 
Yeah, it's quite, yeah, I mean, I get it, I know there's any replication, but it's quite intense, the heat. As in, I don't know what I expected, but I suppose like a, a, a slowly building, like, I don't know, like a hot wall bottle, but no, it's quite intense. It's, I mean, it's not burning me, but yeah, it's quite hot. As in, the bits were, that are hot are hot. Yeah, I think we were slightly disappointed because you love the heat, so I think you're going to find this quite soothing, well, aren't you? I don't know. I, yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, I like the heat of the sun. Being just hot yeah. is different, yeah, I think. Yeah. So um, we were talking earlier about the signs, kind of um, men's awareness, women wanting to kind of self-diagnose a little bit, should I say, looking to kind of the digital world for support and kind of not necessarily having access to all of that knowledge easily. You always have to go kind of down the specialist route. Um, one of the things that um, we found really interesting was there was a statistic in a piece of research that we came across saying 66% of women feel at least some impact on the quality of their work life when they are perimenopausal, menopausal, or post. Um, many feel unsupported by male bosses or younger staff. Now, the government's trying to address some of this stigma, obviously, as we've been talking about so far today, but one of the initiatives is to encourage employers to put codes of conduct in place. As leaders of a company, now, Paul are, what, about 30? 30-plus 30 staff mm. at the moment, um, as leaders of a company with 48% of women, do you think adjustments like this should be made? And if so, what do you think as male owners can be done to support that? I think apart from having the open dialogues like we are already. Yeah, I mean, I think it's about empathy for, for everything, right? As in, like, I think as a business, we, we listen. We, yeah, we, we want people to talk about the challenges because they're multiple, right? And this is just another challenge, yeah? Uh, so therefore, it's for A, not being afraid to have the discussions, which I think the best thing about Paul, I think, is that we do have discussions, you know, people don't always agree, but we're quite open to talking about stuff. I don't think it's, I hope it's somewhere where people feel they can talk about anything, really, I hope, you know, within reason, right? Uh, and therefore, if we can talk about things, we can work through those challenges as they come. I mean, I think, you know, do we need some sort of, at this moment, do we need a, a menopause, uh, you know, one page? I don't know. I would hope that those people that were, were experiencing it would would know that there is support in the business. And within, again, you know, within reason, they could talk to people and we would manage whatever that might look like, whether you're, you know, with the, like you, either with, with your mother or, or, you, or you've got issues with your mental health, you know. Again, I think it's nice to have processes and things, but actually if you've just got a culture that that is understanding that life's can be shit life can be tough life's different for everyone then that's sort so it's cultural i think mainly i mm -hmm. think yeah you can have lots of different procedures and processes as well and 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 you know like so if it were, oh, i followed the guidance but actually you know people and process right and the people part is more important i think than perhaps the process part mm. but you should have both and i think chris so we've been talking about diversity a lot um yep. in in our business lately and i think one of the things that um Catherine, our head of brand strategy, was kind of talking about when is you kind of diversity can be cut in so many different ways. And actually, while there are some areas where pull are pushing to do better and kind of be more diverse, there are lots of other ways in which we are. So we're diverse from, I'd say, an age point of view, you know, um, the kind of the fact that we have 48 percent women in the business. Um, a, you know, we've got a pretty good mix of females in the leadership team as well. So. 
there's a lot of diversity in that space. I think as pool grows and we kind of do get a bigger range of people, particularly to support the younger people coming into the business or even, you know, so me, I'm 34. Um, at some point, it's going to come for me in the next few years or, or, I mean, if I'm lucky, the next 10. But who knows, right? Talk what, to us about it. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, what are your thoughts on, from your point of view, you know, you've been at P&G, you know, all these kind of massive brands. What would you like to see kind of other businesses and brands doing to support that dialogue? Well, first of all, I think to, to pick up from where uh, Dean left off, as it were, I think, you know, I would hope that the, the man senior management team, the directors, the owners, were empathetic enough, as he says, to be able to take this within our stride. Having said that, I think... As you, as you grow and when you look at larger organizations, they need to act, I think. And I think there's no question about it. In the same way that I feel that, you know, menopause is the last taboo, I think it's the last prejudice in the workplace, as it were. Or not to say the other ones don't exist, but I think there's a massive problem in attitudes towards menopausal women in the workplace. And I think that absolutely has to be addressed. So I think... I think large organizations, maybe small ones, certainly should have a policy. They should discuss it, debate it. And, you know, when they're recruiting, I'm sure there are many, many businesses that are prejudicial in their uh, recruiting and, and, see, and see menopausal women as, you know, difficult. Mm. And I think that's something that has to be confronted head on mm. and dealt with. And I think also, you know, we, we, we think about the other challenges people have balancing their working life. Young children is an obvious example, like Dean has alluded to. Well, this this you know, this should be part of that as well. Mm. It should be what allowances do you need to make? You know. I mean I feel that the best employers make a lot of allowances, okay, but they get a lot in return. Mm. That's that's the kind of underlying spirit I think that we have in the agency here. I hope that the people who work here feel like that. I think they do based on the surveys. But uh, I think that's an essential component. Unfortunately, I think in bigger organisations, you have to legislate for that. Yeah. You can't just expect it. Oh, no, I, I would agree. As someone that works for Paul, it was one of the reasons I came here. You know, it's, I think being a mum, doing a lot of it on my own with a small young child, what I wanted from my life is I've, I was never that person, and there's nothing wrong with this choice, to go, I'm going to have a kid, and then that's me career-wise done. It was always... I'm going to have this career. I'm going to be a badass working mom. And, you know, and I never really wanted to compromise. And I think what I loved about Paul was it supported me to be the best mom I can be to the best of my ability with the time I've got, but also to be passionate and push the career. T Tina, what do you think? Because obviously you've seen this from so many different perspectives. Mm. You know, you've been in this world for a really long time. What do you think organizations, big or small, could do better? I think, I mean, I really do agree with um, Chris and Dean here about, you know, it's about culture. And I think, you know, what we're seeing is we're seeing some big companies like big banks and things put policies in place and through menopause in the workplace and the menopause mandate. And all of those things, I think, are necessary um, and important. Um, I mean, at Theramex, we tend not to be that formal, but we tend not to be that formal about anything. But we also have a culture where we can pretty much say, you know, I, I, my CEO, you know, we've had discussions before when I've said, look, I just can't do this right now because I am overwhelmed and, you know, my, my menopause symptoms were 
out of control and I need help, you know, and I was quite comfortable to have that conversation. So I think, you know, that's the culture that we want to be in where people, and I agree with you 100%, you know, you go out and you do what you can to support people and you get it back you know, a hundredfold every single time because you're invested in people's lives and helping people achieve. I think this idea around recruitment and, you know, looking at people's ages. I mean, I can honestly tell you when I recruit people, I it never comes into my mind really? um, how old they are. In fact, I was, I was quite surprised the other day to find out one of our sales team was 60 and I never knew he was 60 and I never thought to ask... And, It never really, why would I need to know? Mm. Um, I don't ever, in the same way, I don't think, oh, I'm not going to take people on in their early 30s because they might go and have a baby. I never think that stuff because I'm always looking at, you know, people will do what they need to do. And this is part of your life cycle of working with people. So for me, I think it's just valuing what older women can can bring. There's a a lot of women who are involved in this menopause movement I guess who had very significant jobs and were felt they were forced to leave Mm. those jobs whether they were editors of newspapers um, CFOs of banks um, all these things they had very big jobs and um, of huge amounts of experience and they felt they had to leave their jobs and that that's the reality. Is that is that because they they were having periods where they couldn't do the work. Yeah, well, they couldn't function. And they couldn't talk to anyone about that. I think that's and, it, yeah. Yeah, so, so therefore... they just felt they couldn't... They didn't have the support. I think it's interesting, isn't it, again, with the whole... Again, maybe the positives and negatives of, of the flexible working is there is... A, I think people are working more flexibly now. So perhaps there's... Perhaps there are... You know, whereas, you, you know... Because you're not being watched sometimes. Yeah. In, in an office environment, you know, you can feel like, I don't feel very well now... What do I do? I've got to keep going. Whereas if there are women at home now with, with menopause that are working, yeah. they're choosing to work, you know, they're not feeling well and they're not feeling guilty because no one's watched them. Then go, then go and do something. I don't know how, you know, for no, whatever exactly. period. So yeah. perhaps it will help. Perhaps more flexible working will help some of those people because it's not about talking about it. It's just having the opportunity to take some time out, not feeling that you're being watched, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I do think flexible working would help people. And, you know, if you're able to say, if you're in an environment where you can say, look, I'm going through this, can I work more flexibly? Can I come in a bit later because I haven't slept all night? Or, you know, there's days where, you know, I'm perimenopausal, I might be bleeding very heavily and not, and not feel comfortable to leave the house. You know, you've got to, we've got to be able to have those conversations, I think. Um, so I think flexible working is a key part of any menopause policy moving forward. I think it's culture as well, though, because, like, prime example overshare here sorry guys but like I called Dean up one day and went I'm not coming in I've got the worst period pains ever yeah. I feel like crap what do I say to that Dean just kind of <laughs> went Dean just went bye all right, all right see you later like and that was kind of it but I felt comfortable no, yeah. while Dean was squirming in the conversation I felt comfortable enough but to actually tell the truth you're right and this culture thing I was, I was in a call the other day with someone they were talking about you pay into and pay out of the culture of a business and yeah. so so effectively you know the culture is us saying we're giving stuff. We, we, you know, we're, we're giving from the bank of pull pays out right, and the paying back in is the people going. Do you know what? I've, I've you know, I didn't feel well this morning because I was feeling ill with the menopause. But I'm, I will do my hours because you're paying back into that, and that's the, yeah. that's that's the exchange. And it's never always quite balanced, 
but you, you know, I think businesses will have that balanced respect for the for the business and and and, and the and the business respects the staff and the people is when it works really well. And this is why, again, you know, for smaller businesses, it can be quite flexible in terms of how it works because it's purely you just get a feeling. And you know, and, and hopefully, if you've got a strong business as well, you, people people don't you know if someone stands out by not having mm. a fair exchange it's quite obvious right yeah I think as well so um I think there's opportunities for smaller businesses to actually show the bigger businesses how it should be done when it comes to the dialogue around not just menopause mental health whatever it may be but menopause be a part of that grouping of additional things that are part of culture um that being said I know that um I've got a friend that works for British Airways I know people that work at Google and all these other places and you're starting to see more and more these bigger companies really elevating the dialogue to say to go to these older members of staff sometimes too old um, and say you know we just want you to know that we acknowledge that there's a stage of life that's going to be complicated for you and so we've put in place a person or a group or whatever it may be for additional support should you feel that's necessary and I think that's harder for smaller companies sometimes because it's a scale thing right um lots of people wear multiple hats but I think having that openness in the dialogue and kind of being able to particularly with men include them into that conversation I think that's where working with you guys you know I think we said the word period more on this podcast or when we've been working um with Theramex than we ever have openly before and I think now, at first, you could see everyone kind of wincing and going, oh, my goodness, this is an uncomfortable conversation. But now, no one really flinches at it. And I think that's been a really positive thing on the business in working with you guys. I think that that's absolutely true. I mean, I, I think that's why, you know, we take... And it is a big responsibility. I do take my responsibility sometimes as, a, as, a role, as an older woman role model quite seriously, and, and not just in the workplace, but... Generally, I mean, I can't even tell you the amount of Facebook messages I get from people I barely know, um, LinkedIn messages from people asking me to help them because they know I've got an interest in it. But also in the workplace, people that aren't in my... I mean, in my own department, we talk about everything and we're very open with each other, perhaps too open sometimes, but we, we talk about everything. But there's other parts of the business where it's traditionally... Um, so supply is a really good um, where it's been traditionally quite male orientated. It's, you know, um, it's a part of the business pharmaceutical supply it tends to be like that manufacturing. So um, and, you know, that those women feel that they can come to you and speak to you as well. So um, having this conversation, um, you know, with senior male colleagues is really important because it's about having that role model responsibility, mm. I think. But interestingly, I won't deny that I feel uncomfortable still. So when you, even when you say the word period, right? I mean, again, you know, because I'm we're very, I, I feel, oh, I'm not used to be, we don't talk, we way. don't talk yeah. about it like that. I mean, although I've got a daughter and I've got a wife, right? So it's not, but even when they talk about it, I'll try and get out of the room, right? Oh, my stepdad, and why is I, that? I used to do it on what? purpose. Because my dad must have done it. Period, but I'm thinking, but, turn around but then out. that's only from my, it must have been from my far, or it must just be, yeah, yeah, I mean, like, because it's not that I, it's, again, it's not that I, but that's really, because again, that's Chris's deep rooted. If you think, so I just say, so therefore it's like awareness, education, normalization, because it's the normalization piece yeah. where you have people like mm. me, who for some reason, you know, after 40 odd years, still find, oh, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? <laughs> You're talking about it now. Yeah. I mean, that, that's, I think, you know, what one uh, yeah. 
one other factor for us here in a relatively small organization is have the opportunity to change the culture really quite fast mm-hmm. okay yeah. and it's it. one of the reasons i left the kind of big corporate world is because those things move so slowly and you see dinosaurs in those businesses that you realize they're never going to change till they you know retire or whatever and and i think the, the beauty of that is i mentioned earlier we don't have to legislate so much for cultural change um we can we can we can live it and I think that, you know, again, picking up on what Tina was saying about an open culture, I think that one of the things we've tried to work on and I think have achieved to some extent is an open culture. We have a lot of controversial discussions. When we did our uh, Is Your Brand Too Woke discussion, yeah. that's a good example I talked about before, um, you know, the, it was very clear that we had a kind of spectrum in the office of, you know, like woke youngsters to unwoke oldsters as it were but there was a lot of discussion and what we found was that you know in fact our viewpoint wasn't really that different at all it was polarized by things like social media and i think this is this is similar because and it's certainly helped uh working with with tina and and femoral and theramix um is that we've again we've opened up the discussion and you know, so therefore, you talked about asking, you know, for, for uh, leeway one morning or whatever. I think that's much more likely to happen right across the agency as a result of that kind of openness. Mm-hmm. But, but interestingly, I think, you know, again, it makes me think when we leave this room today, what, what are we going to do? I mean, literally, because again, because we can be so agile. Uh, I don't mean, likes his lists. <laughs> well, no, I just think, you know, we don't have to run out of the room shouting metaphors or whatever. But, I'm going to make but, you stand at the screen, we, period. <laughs> but, no, but what we should do in the next week is at least tell people we had this conversation. Yeah. Because if we don't, because do, some people, again, some people are in the office, right? Some people will not know this conversation happened today. If we have, say, we had this really open conversation just to let everyone know, you know, it's not, it's, it's something that we... We should yeah. talk about. Yeah, and you, you have to act on it. I mean, one of the one of the little delights I get at the moment is liking menopause-related um, subjects on LinkedIn. Yeah, because it's one like of our biggest likers. It's like you know, this. I, it actually I love that it tickles you, me that some of some of my old friends and colleagues will probably be somewat embarrassed by that. I, <laughs> I quite like, like that. I feel really progressive. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of Dean, um, swing the mic back around for me. How are you feeling in that vest? We've been there for a while now. Yeah, I don't know. Like, it, it was more. It was more initially. I, I sort of got used to it now. But yeah, it, it, I am definitely warm. Um, the thing is, you like being warm, so it's really annoying because he's just sat there, like I, I, do, I said, thirty-seven I like degree heat warm, wave, and he's yeah. outside working yeah. in the garden. It's being warm it's, it, it's on the beach it, in Ibiza yeah. Yeah. with it's a just, cocktail in hand. I think the word I'd use is it's distracting, as Chris said, it's yeah. distracting because especially when it started, I wasn't really thinking about what we were doing. I was thinking about what it was doing and like what's going to happen next. You were aware. I was definitely aware. Yeah. And it's that distraction I think that that women find difficult. So if you not the being hot so if you are um you know a board member and you're standing up to give a big presentation and yeah, suddenly, you suddenly get whacked you suddenly get whacked with a hot flush and you're worried about whether and you're going to be nervous anyway as well exactly so that mixture of stress all those things out of control and, yeah, yeah really are the things that make women not want to be in their profession but also know? layer that with the additional signs so it's not you know fatigue like there are so many other that's things what i keep thinking this is just that, one thing right yeah. brain now, fog now, yeah. now add kind of a bit Lack of a fuzzy of head yeah. like you haven't had Aching a good night's joints. sleep yeah. yeah your legs are hurting so every time you like i think it's the layering of them exactly. actually is even more combative this is just one element of it and i think that's where as you rightly said dean earlier with g you know 
she didn't really talk too much about how disruptive it actually was on her ability to carry on. And let's all be honest, mums do most of the work when it comes to the kids. Like, so it's kind of to have that women are busier than ever. The households are still being run predominantly majority of the time by the mums as well. Now layer in an additional stage of life where you've got a million and one signs creeping in, having that impact you can understand why for women that do suffer with it on a larger scale, it can have a significant impact on their ability to want to carry on with a corporate career because something's got to give and they can't stop being a mum. So it's kind of, and even for people that aren't mums, like it's still challenging to find that energy to get up every day and go when you're feeling a bit run down. And the thing is, this this kind of perimenopausal stage, I mean, we spoke about it before, how long can it last, Tina? I mean, it can last, you know, 10 years. So it can last a long time. So after around the age of 40, your estrogen levels are naturally starting to decline. And, you know, that could go on. Some women might not stop their periods and go into menopause until they're in their early 50s. So, you know, and symptoms can come and go during that time. Um, Interestingly, I mean, I've got a lot of friends who've, who've got significant jobs Um, or who had significant jobs, who talk about, oh, I was burnt out. You know, I had to stop because I was burnt out. And now, because of this conversation that is happening, they're saying to me, oh, my God, this is Mm. what was wrong with me. Mm. And um, But I just thought I was, why was I able to do this job for 20 years? And then suddenly I was no longer able to do this job. You know, it's it's quite a big... Um, conversation and then I've got another friend who has just been stabilized on HRT and she said to me I haven't slept since I had my youngest son who's now nine Mm. you know and that's a long time not to sleep properly and to be doing a very responsible job Mm. um, and you know try and do everything else that goes with having that job and and having small children so you know this this idea of burnout I think is where the conversation now is helping educate that it's not burnout it's stages of menopause Mm. and I think as well it's it's you know allowing um, a platform for men to be one aware and actually two more empathetic because they don't have the same hormonal challenges in in that way that go on on a monthly basis, let alone at a much yeah. bigger stage of life. And so you can't sometimes walk in another man or woman's shoes because you have to have some form of anchoring to empathise. And if you don't have that, it's very difficult to do so, which is why I think the creation of the vest has been, you know, really interesting to see. You yeah, we haven't, we haven't come up with the idea of, of creating something for men for women to understand that need to buy motorbikes. And <laughs> <laughs> when we do, we'll let you know. <laughs> well, I'm still looking. I really love the contraction simulator as well. So there's so many. We've got to find some more of those. Maybe I we'll know. do that one next. <laughs> Maybe we will. <laughs> where does it go? On your stomach. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where you thought it went. but that's Well, where that's what I asked. <laughs> I'm, I'm worried. What yeah. are you going to do to us next? I, I think there's definitely a, a big shift going on. I mean, I've got a friend. She's she's 40, actually. I think I, I messaged you about this. And yeah. she, her family have got a history of um, becoming perimenopausal at a younger age. So she's already in a fortunate position where she's more aware of her own family medical history. And so has kind of started over the last 18 months making a list. And it, for her, it's really hit a peak where... There are days where she just comes in and, and is crying, going, I don't want to feel like this anymore. I don't feel like myself. I don't have that control. And I think it's about 
knowing where to go, having the resources available, having multiple people speak about it. Like with Davina the other day, as I mentioned, she put out on her Menopause Monday post about, we all know about HRT, but I have lots of people that can't take HRT. Mm. And actually, what do you do in those situations? Yeah. Where can you go? What is right? What is wrong? And I think with Femorel, that was one of the things for me that was really exciting was again it's going back to that power of of choice yeah and one of the things we we really push against and it's interesting we talk to you guys about this in terms of branding and one of the things that you know it's i have very strong views on branding and 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 what you know relates to it and what doesn't and people will often come to us and say um and they'll use the word sexy oh one ad that somebody showed us was, oh, I just want to feel sexy again. And my point was, what if you never felt sexy? Mm. Do you know what I mean? That, you can't make that, that assumption. So what I hear from the women I know is I just want to be the person I was. You know, mm. I once woke up in the morning and looked in the mirror and did not recognize the person I was or had become. Mm. And I want that person back. Mm. And so what you're helping, you know, what whether it's HRT, whether it's, you know, a supplement like femoral, whatever it is, you are, or other choices, holistic choices, what you're trying to do is help women get back what they were so they feel that kind of sense of identity with the woman they've lived for with mm. for 40-odd years. And I think there are multiple stages in life where you can feel as a female you lose that identity. I know when, absolutely. I, had, I, when I had my little boy, who I absolutely adore, even though I almost killed him on my week off last week because it's summer holidays. Yeah. That's part um, of the course. <laughs> we had a little giggle about that one. Um, I lost my sense of identity when I had my little boy because there's this demand, this, this thing that you haven't had to experience um, before in a very extreme way that kind of takes over your day-to-day life as you knew it. And actually, if you think about it, kind of menopausal, perimenopausal, whatever, it's the same thing. It's something you've not necessarily experienced before. Therefore, you don't have anything to anchor against. It's like our human, our pain thresholds. You know, when I got my first tattoo, I'm sitting there thinking, oh my God, I'm going to fall off my chair. It's going to be agonizing. And then I, because I hadn't experienced that pain yeah. before. And then once I did it, I was like, nah, I'll do the next one. It's easy peasy. So it's kind of finding... It's, it's finding something to measure it against. And I think you don't have that. It kind of... And it's, so it's, it's a challenge, I think, to get your head around it and therefore explain it to people when you're going through it. Yeah. And I think that's true, isn't it? I... I you know, my son is 15, so everything I do is embarrassing to him. <laughs> and um, so, and I will, so I will often say to him, oh, look at me on, you know, on, on Radio 4, look at... And, and he's like, oh, just be quiet, just be quiet. And, <laughs> and then... You know, when I was on Radio 4 and um, he texts me in the middle of the day. I mean, obviously, he shouldn't have had his phone at school. I don't know why they're allowed <laughs> to do that. But texts me in the middle of the day going, yeah, can you just send me that um, that bit of Radio 4 that you're on? And yeah, um, yeah. so he did actually want to show it to get his mates to listen to it. And my friend, who was his business teacher, told me, oh, yeah, Max shared, you know, in business about you doing this. So it is quite interesting, you know, what to have. And that's important. It's important that those boys feel that they're able to say that stuff because one day they will be with a woman who is menopausal, hopefully. Mm, absolutely. Um, oh, annoyingly, I had a really good question for you, Chris, and it's just completely left my head, which is really going to get on my nerves now. It's quite a relief for me, though. Uh, <laughs> speaking of relief, you're right there, Dean. You're really quiet. No, I'm fine. Honestly, I was just thinking about this, uh, about everything we said. I, I was just thinking about the um, about the, the, the concept of, 
uh, we're breaking down all these taboos at the moment. Again, obviously neurodiversity at the moment. You know, there's a lot of things going on in the world at the moment in, in terms of people waking up to again you call it woke or but or, or, I, like I, I don't up. I don't think it's I think people are yeah there's a night there are people who are literally saying we need to be think about other people in and and how and I was just thinking you know this is again is, well this just feels like an extension of that it's because we're just exploring things that have not been explored properly before I mean and some and some some more important than others and but that well they're all important to the people that, that it's going through right but I think we're starting to hold um, whether that be at government level, whatever, we're holding people accountable to actually not just talking about it, but trying to put things in place to follow through. That pressure is being applied. That voice is getting louder. That's why I remember the question now, Chris. Um, when um, the consumer research was being done with Theramex, um, one of the things that I felt, I felt it when you kind of relayed it back that made you really sad was actually one of the things that the women said they felt a lot of the time. Um, can you talk about that experience? Yeah, so, I mean, I think we have to be a little bit careful in the sense that, you know, we know that women have a spectrum of different different experiences from, from you know, sail through the menopause, one extreme, and suffering a lot at the other. However, in the qualitative research, which I kind of sat in on, I thought it was really, yeah, the word sad came up a lot. So, you know, when, when women were just talking freely um, and asked about how they felt in general, it's, it, was a, it was a recurrent theme, which I thought was really, you know, really sad. And, and it was one of the drivers that we'd already had in terms of creating the, the mission and a, a sense of purpose for the brand Femorel was, you know, you, you can't just stop people feeling sad. But there's probably something you can do. And I always felt that the issue was that, you know, the signs that people have, what they experience, are kind of bad enough. We're, we're experiencing a little bit of what it can be like now. Um, and, and to some extent, medication can help, but it can't completely eliminate that, okay? However, it just seemed unnecessary to me that society makes it worse, Okay, we've been talking about the workplace. We've been talking about women driven out of their roles because, because, partly because of an intolerant workplace. So you know this burnt out thing that uh, uh, Tina was referring to is interesting to me because, in a sense, they were, but they didn't need to be mm. if they'd been in an environment that was much more uh, amenable, much more empathetic, etc. To to this, the situation, yeah. So this is why I felt that this is actually a a banner under which Femoral could fight, as it were, as a brand, which was that if we can normalise it, you know, have an impact on society, society's more accepting, then you remove some of the pain, the emotional and the, uh, you know, the, 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 the pain that's not physical, because that's, you know, that can be alleviated to some extent, but society can help with all the rest of it, mm. and that a brand could maybe play a role in doing that. Absolutely. Positivity all the way. And this idea of holding people accountable, I think, is really important. So one of the things that, you know, when we had the discussions in Parliament with, with male MPs wearing and um, the vest, which was interesting, and it was, it was very partisan. There was people there from the Tories, Labour, Liberal Democrats, SNP as well. Um, so, and they were all there. And they all came, really, because of Carolyn Harris and, you know, the respect they have for her. But it was very interesting, really, to talk to... Um, them about their experiences and I think what we have to be really confident about is that we are going to 
be the generation that makes people accountable to make a difference to this. So we are going to take the fight further. We are going to make sure that GPs do something about it and that they don't and that they are educated and that they are incentivized. We are going to make sure that there is a national formulary for HRT and that all women wherever they are can get the same level of care and medicine. We are going to make those things happen and we are going to make people accountable for 51% of the population because 51% of the population are women and um you know the this area this demographic of women is getting bigger in terms of thousands and thousands and millions of women in this age group it's the fastest growing age group Mm. so we have to be the generation that make people accountable because we're accountable for it ourselves oh she's such a badass isn't she i love it this is amazing so i love you tina spot on you're absolutely spot on so um we're coming to the end of the podcast but i think there's two things that i want to just talk about quickly so what is World Menopause Day in 2022? So it is on the 18th of October, World Menopause Day around the world. It's a worldwide awareness call for women who face health issues. I'm going to say women and men. Yeah. Um, who face issues when approaching, uh, during and beyond the menopause. And I think there's a really great opportunity for brands to not just brands, but everybody to get involved in that discussion. So um, I'm going to leave it with our final question that we have for the day. The uh, vest is back on. Dean is still there. He's happy. I think we should put Chris back in it. Daryl would have been great to see him the vest. Um, what's the one piece, from all three of you separately, and we'll start, I think, with um, you, Chris, and end with Tina. What can brands, marketeers, and companies do based on what we've spoke about today to make a difference in this area? Well, everything starts with understanding, doesn't it, really? So I think, you know, pay attention to this subject. Don't ignore it. Uh, Make sure you understand first what's going on. And then in health and beauty in particular, yeah, consider what you can do to encourage the normalisation and dialogue. I'm sure many health and beauty brands can. Dean? Yeah, just reflecting on your point there, you talked about um, World Menopause Day, you know, and you said women and men. I think, again, I think if we can all understand, then it's going to be easier. Because again, you know, I think, you know, some companies there are more men, more women, but there's ultimately going to be men and women involved in some of the, especially the business environment, involved in working on projects and things, and and therefore they need to understand, like with all of the challenges that we face, that what, what challenges people are facing at what time. So it's about opening up the debate and yeah including men in it so that I don't get that weird feeling when people talk about (laughs) subjects that are traditionally we haven't been spoken about I think it starts with culture though doesn't it like you were saying as well it's that people first policy second yep absolutely um I mean I think you know I just echo what my colleagues have said here I mean one of the things I love about working with Paul is that you walk the walk and you don't just come and say oh we understand you know about menopause and we've seen the statistics and we've seen the Davina program so we know everything there is about it but you seek to understand and you know I think you can't underestimate that because that's really important for this group of women you know 
don't make assumptions about us from a brand point of view and don't underestimate us because you know we are going to change how women's health care is viewed in this country and we've already made significant inroads to that but there's a huge amount to do so not making assumptions and actually seeking to understand is really really important I think. Absolutely. And uh, if you have any more questions, please do get in touch with us and we can definitely put you in touch with our menopause mogul to my right. Um, <laughs> thank you so, so much You're very today, You're guys. Very and thank you for being good sports, Chris and yeah. Dean, for uh, sweating it out in the conversation. Hot now. Definitely hot. Hot, hot now. Hot now. He's sitting there thinking, smug. Oh, it's fine. And we realise that the cables are hanging on the floor. So. I know, I know. He's like British Rail, yeah. the wrong kind of leaves. This is the wrong kind of heat. Right? I know, exactly. <laughs> we need to go cold for Dean next time. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much for listening, guys. Remember, it is well. Menopause Awareness Day on the 18th of October. So if you have any questions around what Theramex or Femorel are doing, please do get in touch. Or if you like what you hear and you want to be involved in one of Paul's Future of Beauty Unfiltered podcasts, please get in touch at podcast at thepullagency.co.uk. Take care.